Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Matthew, and I am joined today by Survivor 41's Abraham and Survivor analyst Ollie. Today, we are going to be discussing episode two of Survivor Cambodia Second Chances. Be sure to, to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at Survivor Now Podcast and on Twitter at Survivor Now Pod. This was a fantastic episode too. I had so much fun with this. I thought that the storytelling was very, very clear throughout. And we really see this theme of Survivor's not only about talking strategy. It's also about making social connections. What did you two think of this episode? You know what? Uh, I compared it to now where they fast. Survivor is faster. You got to get into the game more. And here's the thing about it is this actual is day four. The development of the, the relationships are there. And we're on the same timeline. We haven't changed the timeline at all. We see people already in trouble. We, we see that the importance of the emotional connection that you have to make with people in a short amount of time, which is really three days, 24 hours a day, because you don't go anywhere. You're there talking. We don't see but the edits. But it, it's amazing how you look at this older version of Survivor, and we're at the exact same day with the same issues or concerns or development. So this is a good issue on emotions. Absolutely. And someone who we see is sort of still trying to figure things out from when the show, uh, from the first episode, was Wigglesworth, who was on the wrong side of the vote. And we see a confessional from her kind of talking about what you just said, Abraham, like the game moves fast and she was on the wrong side. How do we feel for Wigglesworth moving forward? You know what? It's so many changes, you know, in the game of Survivor, man. And you out there, and we do, we see it with PG. We we see it on the other tribe as well. It only takes something small to change the wind of Survivor. The wind blows a different direction. One time you think you're on top, you think you got it in control. Next thing you know, something changed. I think Wigglesworth is in a good position because she's no longer a target or a perceived target right now. So she doesn't have anything to worry about. You just got to be concerned of who do I vote with when voting comes. And that's what we're looking at now. Who do I want to vote with? Who do I want to just say, you know what? This is going to be, it's not even your ride or die here. It's just like, I'm just trying to survive. And we see that the vote changes. Uh, the groups that vote uh, this episode change quite a bit uh, this episode, which is very, very cool to watch. We get that nice story play out, which we'll talk about as we continue on. But we do see this conversation between Sharin, Spencer, Wentworth, and Varner, where they're basically... They're solidifying their alliance here, right? They're, they're saying this is this is our, our core four. Um, but as we see, this does not last throughout the episode. So what do we think about this group of three, especially Sharin, Spencer, and Wentworth working together? <laughs> well, didn't really last long, but we'll get into that. Um, I mean, I feel like it's them three are kind of the, when you look at the tribe, they are the kind of new school, like, when you look at the people that were going to play hard fast, I think you could see them three kind of straight away going for let's sort this out. Um, so it's an interesting one. But yeah, I like that Varner's in there. Yeah, yeah, he sort of found Varner, himself Varner's, in the swing position. Um, I, I wouldn't put him in a swing position. I'll put him in, he's trying to play both sides. Yeah. And you got to be careful when you try to play both sides. Sometimes you got to let somebody else lead the conversation and you not lead it. You know, just say, well, you know, kind of nod your head. And he wants to be in there saying that he's making all these great moves and he's doing all this great stuff. 
he's thinking at the end of the game already. And to me, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta pace yourself. You you gotta make an emergent first. He's thinking about who I want to sit next to. He even says it. You know, I want to sit next to Abby. I know I can beat Abby. Well, you only voted one person out. You, you still have 19 other people to play before you get even to that opportunity yet. So I, I think he's going going about it way too fast. Um, I would solidify my relationships with a core group of three to four. Because right now you, you still got a big tribe. So if you have three people, one of those per- people going to have a flipper. Somebody that's going to yeah. go both ways regardless. He, he just seemed to me like he's he's gearing up to prove that he can play the game of Survivor. So it's interesting to see how he approaches it. I think the thing with Arna as well is because he's been waiting so long for his second chance, I feel like he's kind of done that thing of just going in hot. Like he's like, I'm not wasting this time, which I can commend. But obviously, like, like Abraham said, you see that he kind of is playing a bit too fast. But I will give him credit in the sense of he was beating kind of the old school way out of the old school players. Like how when he was talking to Dietz and all that, like it's clear that he was like, okay, these are the people I kind of actually gravitate towards, but I know that they're not on the same game level. So I need to kind of get them on that game level to then get them on my side, which I appreciated. And I think you could tell he'd done his research because I heard him mention, I think it was with Dietz, He'd mentioned Spy Shack, which is obviously a reference to Kagayar. So, like, you you know that he's like, this is this is him trying at least, even if he's playing a bit hard too fast. You can at least tell he's done his research and he's not about to just come in being like, I wonder if it's hope so. Can we really can we really pitch Bonner actually building a Spy Shack? Let's be real. He's not that guy. <laughs> it, it was a it was a really weird strategy, I will say, Ollie, especially what you just pointed pointed out with um sort of oh i'm gonna vote against the old school alliance to teach them a lesson about mm-hmm. how they need to you know this game moves fast and they need to catch up and now i'm going to vote um with the old school alliance so it was it was just it was really odd to me i don't i don't see this again for those of you who are just joining us this is my first time viewing this season um mm-hmm. i only know the winner i don't know anything else and i don't see Varner moving very far in this game. And I just want to go ahead and show a comment from Chris, who is in our live stream right now, uh, that this tribe, and we're talking about Takeo right now, they're incredibly fluid. And uh, Chris thinks that everyone who was on the wrong side of the Vetus vote was on the right side. Essentially, that's a really interesting point. And I think we're going to see that throughout the rest of this episode. And once again, for those of you who are listening after the fact, we do record these episodes live. So come on and join us next time we're streaming. I know we, we do see Abby at her best. And that, 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 and that plays, uh, you know what? It plays in the, into her type of game. So if you want to look at an authentic type of game, it's that she plays into her game. Her game is to create that chaos, you know, because it's easy to vote out. And they've already said it, it's easy to vote out chaos at any time. And, and what? yeah, man. But I was going to say, let's talk about Abby. Let's let's go down this rabbit hole because Abby was such a star this episode and last episode too. I'm really excited to see what um, what becomes of Abby's storyline moving forward. The main thing I got from this is it it really I know Survivor 44 is top of mind, but we kind of see little hints at 
the emotional player storyline here that we saw with Carolyn in Survivor 44 as well. There are people on this tribe who think that um, working with Abby Maria is uh, not good for their game. We're thinking about um, talking about Spencer, right? He, he says that she's sort of a liability for playing so impulsively. But I think that that was such a big strength of hers this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was up front. She's, and this thing about it is, she tells you exactly who she is. She doesn't hide who she is. Now, the edit says that she's trying to come in and her second chance, she's trying to play different. I want to play a different game. No, you're playing the exact same game. Um, if you go back and see her previous season, she was. She may not be as volatile in her conversational structure, but she she's going to be off the chain the whole season. And, and that's a great asset to the game. I think that uh, Terry played it the best. And here's the thing about it is, you might be playing a game, but there's also a level of just humanity in the game. And when the tribe turned on her and she didn't have anybody, guess what? Terry goes out there. He sits on the beach next to her after she catches PG and them talking about her. And he just, you know, sits there and talks to her. I mean, no intent for strategy, but just the fact that you just want to sit out there and talk to somebody because at the end of the game, you're still playing Survivor mm-hmm. and you want to gain that trust. And Abby's just come out and tell you, look, I'm a loyal player. If you play with me, I'm a loyal player. Now you got to put up with the rest of her, and Spencer doesn't know how to balance that. I'm going to say this now. I love Abby. Like, <laughs> regardless of her impulsiveness, her emotionalness, like she's she is like she's a fun person to watch. She's entertaining, regardless of how loose of a cannon she is. But I think Abraham kind of said it best. Like, with the whole situation that happened between her and PG. Um, and you kind of saw that the people she was aligned with and had her back all went into the heart and were laughing. Obviously, it's not like it wasn't like a big thing of like we're excluding her. But when that happened, every, it was clear that everyone picked PG's side. And I can already see with Abby, like I've never obviously never played the game, never played the game with her. But you can kind of tell that she is one of those players that she appreciates the human aspect of the game. So when Terry did come and kind of come for her and speak with her, she kind of went, that's who, that's who I like. That's who we go with. So like, like Abraham said, what Terry did was obviously lovely on a human level, but on a game level, it was so smart. And again, the thing with Abby, I can already tell is even though she's dramatic and stuff, like Abraham said, she's loyal. So if you're able to just, keep that human aspect with her then she'll be on her on your side and the thing we see with abby maria in this episode in particular is what i think jeff talks about a lot about this season being about which is adapting we see like you both are mentioning this argument that breaks out between pg and abby where abby overhears pg and shireen talking about her behind her back and instead of doubling down on PG is the one that I'm mad at, you know, PG being the one that Abby Maria is mad at, Abby Maria takes this up as an opportunity to, opportunity to say, I can keep PG around, but the people that I'm now more worried about are the people who I thought were aligned with me, but did not have my back during this confrontation. And in fact, I kind of caught one of them talking badly about me behind my back. So she's seeing herself as just a number in other people's games, mm. as opposed to a true Alliance member. Yeah. You know what? It's funny that the edits put it where the actions take place before the actions actually take place. 
the actions probably already took place and then they did the interviews and then they put that in there and say, okay, here's what she's, Abby, she's thinking about. Um, and PG just like, she's kind of, she's struggling in a sense that she's just in the, in the line of fire. She just can't get out the line of fire. She really hasn't done anything wrong. She just mm-hmm. can't get out the line of fire. Um, Terry already said that his game was social. That's what his issue was on his, his time was he needed to play a better social game. So everybody that's on second chance is looking at what they did wrong the first time. Now, there's a player that probably didn't look too hard, and I'm going to call out Fishback. Because mm-hmm. Fishback didn't recognize that sometimes you just got to sit back and let the game come to you. And we heard a great story. We had a, we had a great love story. And first thing he said, Jeremy's not looking for an idol. <laughs> I was like, what? He's on the beach. What is he looking at? That moment with um, Andrew Savage and his tribe was one of my favorite parts of the episode, aside from all of the glorious drama that came from the other beach, Takeo. On Bayon, we have, again, we continue the storyline of Joe is the mighty guy of this tribe. He is so good at island life. Look at them. They're they're building... um, What are the... Yeah, they're building hammocks. They look like they've won like 18 reward challenges just based off of Joe's ability to make their camp very comfortable. And, you know, Steven takes note of this, right? Steven is like, oh, he's too good at island life. We need to get rid of him before uh, the merge. Uh, I think Steven is having flashbacks to JT from Token Chains. And then we get the story of Andrew Savage meeting his <laughs> wife. And it's just such a it's such a beautiful moment. We have Cass, right? Cass came into the game saying, I didn't do anything wrong the last time I played. The other people I was with in Kagayan, they were the problem, not me. And here we see she has like a change of heart where she hears this beautiful story where Savage is so, so proud to talk about how he met his wife and um, instead says, you know, these people are pretty cool. I hated everyone on my original season, but I really like these people. And I've learned that I have to play a social game. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, good. No, I was just going to say the thing with Cass that I appreciated in that moment was the fact that um, she said she. I remember her saying, "You need feelings at the start of this game," and it's so true. The start of Survivor, so many. The reason why so many good players make it far is because of those initial connections on a human level that get them far. And I feel like she's realised that. She's like, "No, I have to kind of." have these feelings allow these like emotions to happen and be shown for her to kind of not just have a repeat of what happened last time there's other things but i'll wait to talk about them it's it's all good as long as you're winning everything seems all hunky-dory they're having a great time I will say that that island has a lot of good fruit because they got fruit on a little tray. You got a hammock built by Joe. I mean, you have a a well, I'll say a well-balanced tribe. This is a well-balanced tribe. And you see how mm-hmm. they're working together and they're trying to still form alliances. But unlike Spencer and Varner, it's not all focused on the game. Except for Fishback. Fishback is like, I'm playing the game. Yeah. It's in there, but they're building those emotional ties first. So we already know that Jeremy and him are going to connect because one, Jeremy's talking about his wife. She's pregnant. She's, she's going to have a baby. He, you know, you're talking about your family. And here we're only capturing 45 minutes to an hour of that. They're talking the whole day 
because there's nothing else to do. There's no TV. There's no phones. There's nothing to do but to talk to each other. So you got to know each other. You get to know the, the things that you actually, you know, you know, you link on. And I'm pretty sure Fishback links on something. I mean, we all got something in common that we can all talk about. But, you know, a brand new baby, you know, a family. I mean, that should be across the board for most of us. And they're, they're linking on that. And I don't think Fishback in this second episode is getting it. I don't think he got it in the first episode because he was all right. And I don't, I don't fault anybody for looking for an idol. I, I was out there looking for an idol. So look for an idol, but sometimes discretion. Because if we go back to the, the other tribe where Kelly was looking for an idol, she was discreet. Fishback is just wide open. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't, like you said, Abraham, he didn't just take note of it in the moment, right? So Jeremy walks away from the camp. And like you mentioned, he is, you know, struggling with feelings of being away from his wife. Um, and uh, his and she's expecting a child. And, you know, instead of taking that moment as sort of like, a, okay, I noted that Jeremy walked away. And maybe in the future, you know, I can maybe use that as a, oh, you know, he was away from camp for a little bit. Stephen just goes right into... Do you, do you think yeah. he's looking for an idol? I, I I don't think he's looking for an idol, but are you afraid he's looking for an idol? Because, you know, what what would it happen if he had an idol? Like, mm -hmm. it, it's just very um, obvious. And Savage picks up on that. Yeah. Well, it's really clear that Savage is not a fan of Fishback. Um, which, th there is part of me that is like, um, like, I feel bad for Fishback just because it's it's very clear that he's letting the, the kind of um, weight of the game take him take take like go on his shoulders at the start um but also there was something that i only clocked watching it the second time um it was when savage went and spoke to jeremy about the kind of comment thing savage said in um in like one of his confessionals which i like for me i was like oh because it, mm. it sounds like such a throwaway thing but then when you look at it it's it's not it's more a negative on Savage, but um, he goes. Stephen is lacking things that matter to me and my tribe. He straight away said, "My tribe." I watched that and I went. It's clear what's happened here. Savage has gone in to the game and he's kind of done what he did in Pearl Islands, which was kind of become the try and become one of the kind of what's the word like the big big honcho people like one of like the leader. Yeah. Yeah, like one of the leaders of the tribe. And because he's been able to get that status with this particular tribe, because they're so kumbaya, he's now already making those statements. And I was kind of sat there going, clearly he's now, he's his hierarchy's there. Because he's already talking about him and his tribe. Who is his tribe? Like, how is he, how is, if he's already saying that episode two? So that was just my little well, thing from that situation. You, you got to look at it again. How many do you need to actually be dominant? So if mm -hmm. you bring Jeremy in, you're definitely going to bring Keith in because him and Keith have already settled whatever difference they had from the previous tribe. You know you're going to bring Joe in because Joe's trying to hide out because he's not trying to be that dominant. He's Right now, he's trying to be the provider. Kelly Wentworth, you're going to get Wigglesworth. You're going to get, we're going to have to change the Kelly's name because it's getting me. Yeah. Um, Kelly's Wigglesworth. I mean, she's looking to, to redeem herself and play the game. But you also remember, where were you brought in from Second Chance? Kelly was brought in from game one, season one. Whole different mentality on how they're playing now. 
I think Cass is still going to be the X factor. I think Cass, when the voting comes and started kicking people off, she's going to be either mm. – I'm going to put her in the middle. So they're going to need is five. You just need five to go with you. So I think that looking at them and where they're playing, one, this is, this is exciting. This is great just to see the development of the relationships and what Survivor really feels like when you think you're on top and then you're on the bottom. Then you got to make decisions. Then you go with the vote. So this is, this is truly, if you want to look at another Survivor and just kind of get that feel back, this is definitely the season to look at. Agreed. I, it, it, this group of people just works so well together. I feel like just as a, as a cast, as a whole. Um, and I want to jump back to Takeo real quick and just kind of revisit some of Abby Maria's um, greatest moments. I'll call them <laughs> just, you know, from an entertainment standpoint before the argument, right? So we, we talked about the argument between PG and Abby Maria, because that was a big thing. But before the argument, we get clues that people are starting to get fed up with Abby Maria because she's sort of interjecting uh, and interrupting different conversations at camp. One A beautiful touch of editing here was we see Spencer. Uh, we see, who do we see there? We see um, Abby Maria, PG, Spencer, and Kelly Wigglesworth as a group. And Spencer asks PG, oh, you know, like, how did you create the chimney in Survivor China? And PG starts explaining it. I don't know if you two caught this little edit yeah. detail, but we see Kelly Wigglesworth in the background. And then all of a sudden, when it cuts to Abby Maria um, interrupting the conversation, Kelly Wigglesworth is nowhere to be seen. So yeah. the way this is edited, it seems like um, it seems like. Abby Maria is just like, so what's what's happening, PG? You know, like, why? You, what's going on between us? When it seems like Abby Maria in real life was just waiting for Kelly Wigglesworth to walk away so that she can spark some sort of conversation with PG and maybe resolve things or just maybe continue their screen time. Yeah, it did definitely look like, like, obviously editing, when you're not looking at it from that aspect, it just suddenly looks like Abby Maria's suddenly going, yeah, I don't care about this conversation. What's up? But, like, you can kind of see, I think, from from my perspective of looking back on the season and kind of see what you mentioned in there, she clearly was waiting for her time. But I think probably at some point she just did kind of want to be like, okay, no, I do also want to get into objectives. And she probably had heard a pause that she thought was wrong and then contributed. But yeah. I love this drama. Oh, it's, it's a lot of drama. I don't I, Here's the thing about it is, think about being there for three days, um, not getting the same amount of sleep or eating, and then you have to balance your emotions, and somebody comes at you like that. The, the first thing is, PG probably wants to drag her out to the ocean and drown her. And then you're like, well, I'm still playing a game. Let me figure out how to work around this. And, she's, and PG, to me, was really patient about saying, look, what do you want? You know, but she, you know, Abby did the same thing to Terry, you know, Terry and Barner. She runs up on the conversation. She knows what she's doing. She knows what buttons she's trying to get pushed, and she's using that against everybody. So nobody's really safe because Terry wasn't safe. And Terry said, well, you may hear some things that you don't want to hear if you keep hanging around. Um, Varner just on everybody's side. So it's just it's just wilding out. She just made me click. I feel like watching this episode back now, you kind of, because Abby is so upfront and direct on who kind of her, like who she kind of has, not beef, but 
can rub the wrong way, like PG and Deets and all that. I think the thing is they've learned, right, we know that she's kind of going to try and get under our skin and all this. So we're, we, can, we can sort it out. We can get used to it. But when people that, who think that, okay, they're on her side, like Spencer, like Shireen and all that, the second they then, the second Abby starts almost doing it to them, they're like, hold on, why are you doing it to us? And it's this whole big thing of Abby will do it to anyone. Yeah, no, nobody's safe. Yeah. Everybody gets it. But also, I feel like the thing with PG is, at least that's saving PG in this moment, PG at least knows how Abby feels about her. And also on the same breath, Abby knows how PG feels about her. So even though there is this kind of tension and there's this thing of, okay, there is kind of, we may not see eye to eye on things. Abby knows that. So going back to the whole argument things, just now thinking about it, I think the reason Abby wasn't as mad at PG is because she expected it, whereas she didn't expect it from the others. So that when yeah, there's this whole PG, when there's this whole PG versus Abby thing, Abby's not going to be mad at PG because she's expecting it. When she sees Shireen and Spencer and everyone else kind of laughing and giggling, she's not expecting it from them. So I feel like that's where all this drama then explodes more. But then you get to see the emotional side. It's like, do I really want to go down to the beach and talk to her? I mean, you 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 really got to say this is the game because mm. she has been equal opportunity irritating everybody. And we only get a chance to see a glimpse of it. I can only imagine what's taking place outside of the camera, outside of the edits. And you're like, Terry said, you know what? I see an opportunity. If I go down there and I talk to her, I know what I'm going to get, but I might, I might almost get an ally. And we see, we see the development of two different games. We see the development of Terry's game socially, and we see the, the degree of how Amy Marie appreciates loyalty. Now, she may be a little off the, off the rail sometimes, but she is, she is definitely loyal. And we're going to see her say how loyal she is, which is amazing just to say out front in front of everybody in Survivor. Right, because you're only loyal to how many people out of that group of everyone, you know? Mm. I think Abby, Abby's strategy in this episode and hopefully moving forward, it's that timeless strategy of keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. I think that's what we see her do with PG in particular. And I love Terry seems so proud of himself to be like, huh, yeah, yeah this, this is like, this is my move. It was very, it was, it was kind of adorable in a sense. It was. He was very much pound the back. Yeah, yeah. Like, look what I did. There's it. I got her. Really? <laughs> well, there's been a lot going on at these camps. Who do we feel like is in trouble if they their tribe does not win the immunity challenge? So we'll take people from Bayon and people from Takeo as well. Well, you know, Takeo. I would say the first on the top of my list would be just by the conversational topics. Abby is always going to be on the top. There's always going to be that possible vote out. But we also see where Spencer is being identified. Um, we're seeing where Shireen is being identified because Varner is definitely pushing that bus. So those are the top three names. PG is not even on the list for that tribe. Now, uh, the other tribe, nobody's been to tribal. But if somebody was going, Fishback would be top on the list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The th I think the thing with Takeo is they have more options just because of how fluid and how kind of, not scrambly, but 
everything can be interchanged with that tribe. And you saw it happen this episode. Um, whereas with Bion, because it is basically this lovely survivor haven, everyone's kind of as one. So as soon as you see one person not in that, then they kind of become a target, like Fishback has. So I do see if Bion were ever currently ever to go to tribal, it would be Fishback that probably would get have the have the target on his back we're gonna take a really quick one minute ad break and then we'll be right back to talk about the immunity challenge my name is jonah fielko and i'm the ceo of bracketology.tv fantasy sports for reality television we offer fantasy games for shows like the bachelor survivor big brother rupaul's drag race and counting you start by creating a community Within your community, you can create a fantasy league for each show that you want to play fantasy games for. Within the league, you can choose up to three of our four game types, and our most popular is the Advanced League. Choose a team of contestants, and depending on what they do and say during the episode, that's how your team will gain or lose points each week. We also have elimination-style games, like our Confidence Pool. This is where you choose how confident you are that each contestant will survive elimination that week. And we've also got March Madness style brackets. Come back a couple hours after the episode to check your scores and watch you climb the leaderboard. Bracketology is free to play, so grab your friends, your family, your coworkers, and head to bracketology.tv for more info. Okay, Bracketology, that seems like a lot of fun. I want to check that out. Uh, so let's get to the immunity challenge. This is one I would not like to do. So both tribes must race over three A-frames, then pull a heavy crate, which houses puzzle pieces, through a chevron-shaped track. Once completed, two tribe members will use the puzzle pieces to solve the puzzle. The first tribe to complete this wins. Would you two like to do this? Yes. Yes. Let's get it done. Pain and suffering. Let's get it started. I feel like me and Abraham, regardless, we're going to be like, yes, yeah, we, we will do every challenge. But no, I, yeah, definitely. This was a this is a challenge that, even though it looks simple, it requires so much, but not on what you think it would. Because I think when you look at the challenge, everyone just goes, "Oh, you need physical. You need to be physical." And it's not actual physical ability you need. You need agility because that going getting up those things, it doesn't just take physical prowess. It takes agility, and it takes teamwork. So that's what I think people, when you look at this type of challenge, that's what you need to remember. It isn't just, okay, I can, I'm the strongest person, I'm the fastest person. If you're not agile, you're going to struggle. Here's, here's, here's where teamwork comes in at, and you got to put aside your differences, because it's either getting up or getting down, one you're going to need some help with. Uh, we see where Varner just falls off the side. And let me tell you yeah. something, it hurts. It's not like it's a low a low fall. He falls from the top and hits the ground. And we never see if he ever gets up. They just kind of keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. But those challenges are brutal. And we had a net on the opposite side of our challenge. So you could just throw yourself down the net, which is way easier than coming down wooden planks and mm -hmm. on the side talking about that's going to leave a mark. Oh, it's going to leave a mark. That's why medical is somewhere nearby, because it's going to leave a mark. But yeah. you, still, you still, I mean, and here's the thing about it is we don't see the heat. It's hot, and they're just killing it. But that that when he said that chest is heavy, oh, that chest is heavy. Now I will tell you this about Jeff. Jeff, when Jeff says something is heavy, he means a hundred percent. It is heavy, and you're gonna have to put some work into it. And we see that. We see that 
the tribes are neck and neck. Now, mm-hmm. we, if we look at the physicality of the tribe, we got Joe, we got Jeremy, we got um, uh, Savage, and they're 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 big guys. And I'm not saying the other team doesn't have big people to pull, but they still neck and neck. So nobody has a clear advantage. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge. We all got to work together as a team. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that they're out there. I love the fact that they're competing for it. But that challenge is yeah. brutal. I loved it, though. But also, when you look at that challenge, sorry, this is just a question I'm thinking. When you look at kind of the challenge itself, what do you feel like you would be doing in that challenge? Like, if you feel, because for me, when I look at that challenge, I know full well I would be Mr. Loudoff. Because of my height, they'd be like, Ollie, just lay down and let everyone climb up to you. And you'd be like, okay. Well, and then again, it's it's that it's that teamwork combination where you see people pulling people up that may not be as physically strong, mm. but that's the key to survivor. You have to put aside everything and say, okay, we got to compete together and look at somebody and say, okay, well, let's get this person over. No matter how you're going to get them over, because if you don't get to the mat, you can't move to the next uh, thing. So you're just working all together. I mean, it's it's a motivation. It's a, it's a push. It's a pull. It's a kick. And that's how a challenge should be. It shouldn't be like, well, uh, okay, we can kind of dominate if we really don't have to try that hard. No, nah, you got to work together as a team because this is a team. You know, you got two tribes working together. Let me tell you something. That's the best part of being on Survivor, just doing one of those challenges. If you get to do just one and just have a blast, Matt, we're going to get you through. You might be laid out on the ground after you get there, but we're going to get you through. I appreciate that. It's not the like physical aspect of it right i'd love to do that it's like you said abraham the 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 going down the wood planks and we see um savage takes a really tough fall too right on his knees and that to me i'm like if there is a risk of getting some sort of a knee injury because Mm -hmm. you're sliding down these wood planks and can't really control your speed or anything it it, it bothers me a little bit i do love the teamwork element and we see takeo really really struggles with this they try to get over that first a-frame and people are yelling and screaming i don't i don't need help you know like i i got this and whereas we see Bayon just sort of like they they seem to have this natural flow and how they're going to do this takeo on the other hand we see them stumbling quite a bit like a lot to be fair, when you look at when, like, if you look, there are times where Takeo on that first section was slightly ahead of Bayon because I think yeah. once they got to the um, crate, I think Takeo were just ever so slightly, and this is ever so slightly, they were in front of Bayon. And then obviously during the crate thing, Bayon then slightly passed them because of their strengths. And then, then you gotta true. figure out, let me tell you something. <laughs> Like I said, when Jeff says it's heavy, it's heavy. Then you got to figure out, okay, what's the best strategy to, to pull that crate up, over, mm-hmm. up, over, and get it to where it needs to be so you can start the puzzle. Then you get to the puzzle. And the puzzle looks like it shouldn't be that difficult. But those pieces of wood are not actually light. If they're anything like our puzzle pieces, the pieces are weighted. So not mm-hmm. only are you exhausted from just running this whole physical part of the challenge, now mm-hmm. you have to actually lift weighted pieces and then you got to try to tune out everybody else and try to focus on a puzzle where everybody behind you see an image, which we saw them, which I thought was good. They switched in and out. As people <laughs> saw it developing, they switched in and out. Uh, but we also see Joe. Joe was dominating. <laughs> but the thing with this puzzle is you've seen it. We've seen that puzzle before. I can't remember if it had been done before. Mm-hmm. 
because obviously you, we've seen those puzzles where it's the stick and stick and actually there is there is it's mirrored it's i call it a mirrored puzzle and we have seen it before and i was quite surprised that it took people quite a long time to realize okay there's two of the same thing oh my god it's a mirrored puzzle like again but then that's also me thinking of carson who <laughs> every single puzzle i won't go say it but eight years ago they weren't doing that they wasn't no. trying to go out and I don't even yeah. think 3D printers were out where you create the puzzle and you kind of do it at home. Yeah. Um, it, it just, that wasn't a part of how you approach Survivor. And these players, are, like I said, are old school, kind of, even when they say new school, they're not the new era of Survivor. They're just a younger generation that's coming in with a generation that played, you know, from season one and throughout that era. Uh, so it's interesting to see how, and actually the puzzle, when Spencer were doing their puzzle, their puzzle looked right. It looked absolutely like they had one, and I realized the way the puzzle is set up, those two hands have to be on separate sides. I think that's where watching it as a viewer, I mean, one, it's it's shocking, right? We see in immunity challenges all the time, usually the team that raises their hand first wins it. But to see mm -hmm. a team that is so, so convinced that they win, Shireen jinxes her tribe and celebrates, and then just to be let down by the fact that they missed that it was supposed mm -hmm. to be mirrored. And I think that's the the tricky part of that sort of a puzzle because they, you know, they were kind of too far ahead to really consider, is this actually what this is supposed to be like? Yeah. And we see there's a lot, it seems like there's a lot of panic going on at their tribe. People are yelling from the mat. Um, it, it, there's a lot of voices in the room. We see Shireen get one of the um, wooden planks stuck in the puzzle and starts, you know, <laughs> yeah. panicking that she can't get it back out. And it it doesn't seem like a really fun uh, moment of the challenge, is what I'll say. Yeah, I mean, Ali, <laughs> don't let anybody fool you. That thing is. Let me say something. It, it's crazy, but it's 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 fun. Me and Ali, we gonna have a good time. Oh yeah. But like Shireen's thing, I'm surprised it wasn't a meme because you literally see her go, ah! like how that hasn't become a meme. But I feel I feel like we have to take into account that there was that that kind of exhaustion element where Jeff had mentioned like everything must connect, like there there can't be any weird like stomping. And I think just where they were fatigued and where they kind of were like, okay, these two things are adding up. Let's just go with it. I feel like they kind of just that 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 little detail just went over their head but i think it was like they 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 just panicked and i felt so bad for them yeah you, you you're looking at the other tribe you're hearing all the background noises and then on top of that you're hearing jeff and it just it's just like control utter chaos and you're just trying to get it done and the first person to see the glimpse of what it looks like usually is the winner because now they have something to work with mm. so if they look, if they'd have worked the tribe inside the puzzle inside out, they would have did the mirror part. Which I until Matt until you just said something about the mirror part, I had forgotten all about the mirror part. So you'll be amazed what you forget about in the instructions when the actual game starts. You because we all get the instructions, but we forget about all that stuff when the game starts. So it's kind of funny that when I looked at the picture, I was like, it's not mirrored, and it's just easy just to make that mistake. Because if had they not made that mistake, they would have won. Well, it's Bay on wins, right? They they seem to the edit shows them as being much more cohesive and um, having a better team strategy. There, it's a close call there where uh, Takeo thinks they won, 
But at the end, they were wrong, and Bayon wins immunity, and they also win uh, like a, a camp kit, right? Like a like it comes with an axe. And I I I think Jeff does a really good job at this. You know, when you when you just see like rope and an axe on the table, I think Jeff does a really nice job at like you can do so much with all of this stuff. Little does Takeo know Bayon is living in paradise because of Joe. But um, now they can e- give even more updates to their. Uh, camp, which is going to be really fun. Joe's like, I'm going to build a second, ha- a second story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a shout out to Wendell from his season. Now, Wendell did build things. He literally was out there building things. So um, I-, I hope that as we move, if, if we go to 45 and I see the sanctuary one more time um, in this new era survivor, let's, let's give out those same type of rewards where you can actually do something with rewards. And here's the question. Out of all the fish kits that they've given out in the last 41 to 44, who's telling how many people caught fish besides Jonathan? I had that same question, Abraham. I'd love to know. People get so excited for that fish kit, but I really, I've never seen someone come back with like, I've seen someone come back with a shark, but like, besides that, there hasn't been like, oh, I found this giant tuna, you know? (laughs) Try, 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 try swimming in the waters of Fiji and try to navigate and try to, you know, get out there. And then how long do you want to be gone from the tribes? The, oh, you know what? Who was successful? Um, 40, what was his name? Um, he was successful out going out and getting fish. But it kind of came back to bite him because he was out of the tribe social element too long. Um, Ryan. Ryan did a great job of catching fish. Jonathan did a great job of catching fish. Two similar type players in the physicality of going out there, fighting the current that's out there, catching the fish and bringing being a provider. But... Jonathan played it better where where Ryan didn't play it. He was targeting one person and he kind of got off track on that. Um, but we really haven't seen any fish. So stop, stop with the fish gear. Just, just give me something in a tree somewhere. I don't even like fish, so I wouldn't care enough. I'd be like, I'll go for the coast. What about fish and chips, man? You you in England, fish and chips. Nope. No fish and chips. Mm. <laughs> Come on, yes, the norm. Yeah. Well, also, I should also point out uh, another person who did well on the water was Ozzy. And that was a, a big part of Ozzy's storyline as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get back to Takeo's camp after the immunity challenge. They're clearly feeling uh, defeated. Um, but we have some key moments that we should probably talk about. So first, well, not first in, in you know, in order, but we do see Abby and Shireen uh, have a, a really important conversation going forward where Shireen tries to apologize for not having Abby's back. Uh, but it doesn't really matter at that point. So this was a fun conversation. How did you two feel about it? I feel like it was the first conversation, like when you talk about the big moments, like the kind of key moments, that was the first key moment because it was kind of, of all people to drop the bomb of, oh no, you're the target, it was Abby. Because mm. obviously, before then, clearly, Shireen and Spencer were like, oh no, we're cool, we're chilling. There is part of me that's thinking they never actually said who they were targeting. So I'm very interested to see like who their target was before all this went down. Um, but yeah, that, that key moment, I thought was just, it was, it was such a night, it was such a kind of, the eyes open moment where Shireen kind of goes, oh my God, my, my game's imploding. What? It was very nice. I, just from a viewer's Look, perspective, 
I love that Abby was like, you're the target. Like you said, Ollie, you're, you're the target. And um, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, have a nice tribal council. Enjoy your hamburger after, you know, like stuff like that. We only got to saw the 45 minutes of it. I'm pretty sure it was a pretty long day in camp. Uh, Abby is direct. She hadn't changed. She went straight for the jugular. Uh, you or Spencer are going to be going home. We just don't know which one. Varner was like, hey, it's going to be one of you. We just don't know which one it is right now. We're still working it out. And you see just how deflated you get when now you have to fight for what you thought you were on top for. You thought you were on top. And then you hear Kelly come in there. Kelly like, look, just tell me where to vote. Everybody is going opposite directions of what they were just previously in the voting. It seemed like more people was on the same page for that vote than this vote. It's like, okay, yeah. well, we're just going to throw off the head of the snake. We're going to get either or. It doesn't make a difference. Now you go from saying, okay, who do we want to vote out to, hey, how do we survive? And then we see Spencer actually come into terms with the fact that his game has been more strategic. He really hasn't been talking to anybody like he should have. And he's going to use that angle. Serene just came to Abby at the wrong time. And Abby just was honest. I mean, you don't see that level of honesty in Survivor um, a lot. But you do. She just said, look, you just you, I think if she came to her before the challenge and they didn't and they did still lose, I think she had been in a better position. But you know who surprised me? Woo. Yes. Yes. That was a surprise. This was a wonderful, wonderful moment. So after Shireen and Spencer realize that they are on the bottom now, when they thought they were in the majority, they approach Wu to try to get his vote. And we see Shireen um, doing most of the talking here, basically saying, if you don't vote with us, you're going to be next. And then the the whole island is going to get swallowed underwater and we're never going to hear from you again. And, you know, like, like really going in on what is going to happen if Wu does not give Spencer and Shireen his vote. And I loved seeing this moment where Wu was basically like, you never tried. This is the first time you're talking to me. You never tried to make a connection. You never pulled me away and talked, you know, you don't have my vote. And I just thought this was such a great moment in the episode. We talked about the theme sort of being Survivor is way, you know, not just about strategy. It's also about the social game. Mm -hmm. And Spencer and Shireen seem to really miss the boat with building social connections with their tribe. I feel like this is where, number one, yes, Wu. Because like, I, for me, it was kind of, Wu was just there. Like, you kind of just, he was there. Yeah, but yeah. seeing this moment, it was so joyous to kind of see Wu be, like, kind of make them take accountability to be like, this is our first conversation. If, if the world was ending this badly because of you guys getting voted out and you needed me to be set, why didn't you come to me sooner? If you knew that I was next, why wasn't this happening like two days ago? But then also it's such a great example of how you can go too far new school. Because they, like, you saw Shireen and Spencer first episode, they were the stars of it because they were like, right, let's get these alliances going, let's get this strategy sorted. But now it's kind of turned around and been like, we went a bit ham too fast and now it's caught. It's like caught up to us. I mean, you got you got Wu, the one that he's the reason why you got rice. So at some point during the first two days or first day, you didn't talk to him at all because he seemed like he was emotionally vested in the fact that you didn't talk to him. Mm -hmm. And all these are second term players. These are returning players. So they understand the social game. So Wu was adamant about, no, you're not going to get my vote. Where before Wu was about, well, let me think about it. 
if you go back to him and Tony playing, I mean, his game has changed, and I think he understands where he's at on this first part of the actual mm-hmm. game of Survivor. But it was it was just interesting to see how defiant Wu was to the fact of, hey, you didn't even talk to me. Now, Spencer, yeah. you, you should have been at least talking to Wu. Serene, you should have been at least talking to Wu with the rice. Hey, man, thanks for getting the rice. You know, it was great. That was our first good win. Mm-hmm. And we kind of see how the social game of Survivor plays into the overall strategy of Survivor as well. Like, hey. So for all y'all know Survivor players that's going out there thinking the game is faster, get yourself three sets of questions. And you ask everybody those three sets of questions when you get on that island the first time you get to talk. That way you at least can say, no, 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 we, we, we talked. I, I know your name. I know where you're from. I know your family. I know something yeah. about you. So you can go ahead and talk from that point versus neither one of Spencer nor Serene had anything to say. They couldn't say, oh, yeah, we did talk to you. No, you didn't. Yeah. From the edit, it looks like they didn't build any social foundations there. It's almost like they picked and choosed their social foundations. And I know kind of with, because it was second chance and kind of everyone knew who was in the pool, there could have been like, like talks of like, oh, if, if you're on the season, we got like, there may have been that. But I'm also quite surprised that like the Spencer side of things, because Spencer and we were on the same season. Like, how is it the the fact that Wu has gone and been like neither of you talk to me? I'm not more surprised that Shereen, I'm more surprised at Spencer because it's like you already have that history. It's like you already you've played a season together. Surely you could already go up to him and be like, "Hey Wu, how's it going?" And they didn't. Well, take but, a look at Jeremy and Keith from previous seasons. Look what Jeremy did. Yeah, yeah. But, we see that difference in gameplay where Jeremy went up to yeah. Keith and said, "Hey, you know, I know we played together." Yeah. Regardless of how things turned out that season, let, this is a new season. This is a new game. Let's see, you know, how this is going to work for the two of us. And you're right, Ollie. We don't see that same thing happen with Wu and Spencer. And it's what I'm also fascinated by, like about by this is that we we hear PG and we hear Kelly Wentworth say, "I don't really want to get rid of Shireen and Spencer right now." You know, like I wasn't really planning on it, but the majority's doing it, so like. Mm. it's they're still threats so it's good for my game and it kind of shows that you know sometimes we see someone find out a plan and they say that plan doesn't work for my game and they go and they try to form another plan uh to make it work in their favor but it seems like whatever was going on with shireen and spencer in this tribe nobody really seemed to need or want them for their game and oddly enough what they were doing to abby maria it didn't seem like anyone wanted them more than just a number well, we yeah. hear Spencer said, he says, hey, I got to figure out how can I stay here three more days? So that's the next vote. So you're just trying to make it to now. He's just trying to make it to three days. Um, but I think he's also coming to realize some of his actual gameplay is not in his best interest at this particular point in the game. Yeah, I feel like with Kelly and PG, as you saw in their confessionals, they were being more adaptable. And I feel like when you listen to Takeo, especially with kind of how the first and second episodes have been, you had people like Spencer and Serene who were very much, they had a plan going in and they wanted to in, implement that plan and they wanted to have the strategy. Whereas you see pretty much the rest of the other tribe, they had this more, they had, they wanted to be more adaptable. They wanted to be more fluid. They wanted to have options. And I think you can kind of tell Kelly did because when you look at the start of the episode, Kelly's in that, 
that strong core of her, Spencer, Shireen, and Varna. Now, all of a sudden, Kelly's like, okay, they're, they're going down, I'm not going down with them. But also, it's clear that she was never, like, even though she was lumped in with them, clearly she positioned herself or created a narrative where it didn't look like she was that close with them to where she then got lumped with them. So I think that's kudos to her in this situation. That I think no one could really kind of looks at because they're just seeing the implosion of Shireen and Spencer. You kind of miss the fact that Kelly was with them. Somehow Kelly has managed to get out of this pretty much scot-free. Does it sound gone? Yeah, Kelly was like, <laughs> Kelly was laughing the hardest when PG came back to the camp and talked about her argument with Abby Maria. Kelly was vocally laughing about that whole thing. Um, and you're right. It's really interesting and good on Kelly that she was sort of to, you know, kind of able to divert that attention elsewhere. So we get into tribal council and we, we kind of hear the players talk about when they're being, when they're talking with Jeff, we hear them sort of bring up these same things, these same themes. And, you know, Spencer, for example, says, if I make it past tonight, I promise everyone here, you will see a brand new Spencer. I'm going to learn your favorite color. I'm going to learn your first pet's name. We are going to have a genuine friendship. I thought that was very funny. Something. Jeff is messy. <laughs> Jeff is messy. He he's just messy. You know what? Jeff Jeff is getting a he got a fresh he got a fresh meal. He doesn't slept all day or do whatever he does all day. And then he comes out there, man, and he tries to drag you through the mud on these conversations. And here's the thing about tribal council. Sometimes more or less. Abby said, look, you, you're getting voted out. <laughs> we we knew that was coming. Varner, I think you're oversharing. Um, PG, she's like, look, I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm not going to get into it. Spencer, you to start your own show. But I think they were already set on sending Shireen home anyway. Well, it was, it was I, I really enjoyed tribal because obviously – Jeff knew going in there. Obviously, Abby's there, so he knows that he might get something juicy out of it. And as soon as he, as soon as he clocked Abby, he was like, "Okay, bring it to me then. What's going on?" And then obviously, Spencer was like, "No, let's keep it out in the open." But it, it was, it was quite interesting to watch Spencer and Shereen plead for their lives anyway, because it was such a nod to their original seasons. Because you've seen this happen with both of them before, and like Jeff obviously kind of in mentioned it, yes. but like they were just reliving their previous season experiences, and it was sad to watch. And both of them seemed to have two different kind of reactions. Spencer was like, "Beg, beg, 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 please keep me, please keep me." Whereas Shireen was like, "Whatever happens, happens." Like, I'm so sorry. I feel like she felt more because how it was described. I feel like she was feeling more remorseful because. The way Jeff explained it was what was happening to you in your last season, you're now doing this season. Oh, yeah, and, and like obviously, like I'm I'm not saying it's the complete same because I think when you look at the seasons, what happened to Shireen was so much worse than what was going on with Abby. I'm not saying either were good, but I feel like the second she realized like she had become what had happened to her, I think she was just feeling very remorseful and she she wanted to kind of be like, look, regardless of what happens, I want to make sure that that isn't, the, like, that's not how it ends. Now, let's let's play Survivor. Really? Do you really regret what she did to uh, Abby? No. His, his Only thing because was, it made Bonner voted out. 
Yeah. <laughs> like you irritate me. You irritate me 24-7. When I open my eyes in the morning, you irritate me. When I close them at night, you irritate me. So we're playing the game of Survivor. And I think the context yeah. always, as long as you keep it in that context, I think Serena is remorseful for the end results. Yeah. Because now she's getting voted off. But I think if she played it again, Abby would have been her would have been her target. She still wouldn't have went to her. Because at the end of the day, the way she went to Vu and the way she did with Abby is how she plays her game. Spencer just was in an awkward situation where he had enough of a reason to stay. Now, also, you got to keep in mind, whoever you vote out is going to determine how you play your next challenge. Are you going to be competitive in your next challenge if you vote Spencer out? Or are you going to be competitive if you vote Serene out? Because it's not like they're getting beat by a lot. They're just getting, they're just, you know, really, if you look yeah. at both challenges, it's really just really close. But as you lose people, you tend to get further away and you become that tribe where now you don't have enough players to compete. Everything on Survivor is a strategy. I mean, it really is. I, I, knowing what happens at the end of this tribal, I'm really curious to know what comes next after all of this um we see in the preview for next week that there is going to be some sort of a tribe swap so i'm excited to see how everything shakes up with there but you know i couldn't help but feel kind of empathetic towards shireen in this moment um ali you touched on you know her feeling remorseful again we we discussed why that was maybe it's because it was it truly because of how she made abby maria felt maybe not um you know was it because she was getting voted out maybe who's to say for real what she was actually thinking in there but i do think that there was this element of with all of you know with anyone who's going to get voted out this season this this was my last shot right because as far as anyone knows when they're playing this game your one shot is your last shot and we see shireen you know, get get very defeated at tribal council. And there ends up being a 5-4 split vote. Uh, vote the people who voted for Shireen were Spencer, Kelly Wigglesworth, PG, Varner, and Wu. And the four votes for Spencer were Shireen, Terry, Abby Maria, and Wentworth. Do we think that there is like an actual split alliance with this type of vote? To me, it just kind of just seems like yeah. you split the vote just in case there's an idol. I think yeah. that they, they voted for who they wanted to vote for. It's going to be chaos for this entire tribe here going on out. I feel like this vote, even though it was five to four, it was more unified than the last vote because it was it was very clear last vote. You had this group of people that wanted to go for um, Abby and you had this group of people that were going for Vias. This time it was the whole tribe is going after Spencer and Shireen. They've made it very clear to both of them. And... I feel like the only person who had the deciding vote, probably, without without being able to see everything that was going on, just from how the um, how it looks, it was probably um, Varna that had the casting vote because he oh. was the one that obviously was the one turning the tables on them and getting ensuring that it was them two that were the target. So I think everyone else, it was just a case of you four vote this person, you vote, you four vote this person. And then Varna was there going, I'm going to decide who I vote for. I'm, I, I can be the one to switch. And you see that, well, oh, before we, before we do that wrap up, I, you know what I love about this particular upcoming episode as it plays into this episode is that it started off as two tribes. 
which I think is a great concept. And then it breaks down to three tribes. So next week we'll see three tribes, which I think is a great concept because it, it feeds into the development of the social game. It allows you to develop that social game to get those connections. And then now we're going to splinter everybody. Um, now, as far as the voting go, I think the vote it did make a difference. It's whoever and you right. I think I'm going with Ali. I think that we see somebody having to control vote and whatever they choose to send home is going to be who they're going to send home. Now, that, that could backfire on you, too, now, because now you're leading the vote. You want to be a part of the vote. And then before you lead the vote, then before you start building what they consider the resume, you just want to kind of be a part of the vote. We see Kelly. Kelly said, if you go back to the episode, Kelly talks to Varner in the first, what, five or 10 minutes? And she says, I'm not going to say anything else for the rest of the day. And we don't see her in another edit until it's time to vote. So we don't, we don't know who she was voting for. And Spencer names pops up on her list. Mm. And real quick, before we wrap up, do we think Shireen was the right choice for this tribe to make? Ooh. It, it, <laughs> are you asking from who could I tolerate? I guess I'm asking from a game perspective, right? I seem mm-hmm. to, I kind of think perhaps not. I know, you know, Shireen, to me, Shireen and Spencer were both giving me similar energies with their game where they seem mm. to be sort of obvious with their gameplay. Um, but I also know we didn't see it work out for Spencer on this tribe with Wu, but Spencer also has many Kagayan people um, that are also in this game here. So for some reason, I just feel like I haven't seen the last of Spencer quite yet. So I'm curious to see where his gameplay goes. Shireen, mm. I'm not sure how Shireen would have done if she were to move forward in the game. I'm definitely keeping Abby. I, you know what, Abby, like I said, Abby is just, she's, you know what you get. I, I rather have, I know what you get. Yeah. I would have voted, I, I don't know, I wouldn't have voted Spencer out. Um, but I necessarily don't need to vote Serene out at this moment either. Even though I know what kind of game they're playing, they, they wouldn't have been on my target list. I think the thing is, obviously, both of them were the targets. And I think the thing with Shireen's, Shireen's downfall was, Obviously, not checking up on Abby and like Varna and Terry Capital, like capitalizing on it. And for both her and Spencer, it was the fact that they tried to play hard too fast and gain control, and it backfired. I do think, when I'm thinking about it, I do think maybe I would have kept Shireen for a game strategic reason. Just because when you look back at the sea, like when you look back at both of them, when Shireen was kept from even being in the minority, she was grateful and obviously both of them were, but you could tell she was like, right, okay, I'm going to be loyal. You did kind of see last time, Spencer, it was a sense of, I am loyal, but I'm also going to play me. I'm also going to do what's best for me. So I feel like with Spencer, the the worry or the wild card in that sense is, okay, you've just saved Spencer. Does that mean he's gonna now owe you one or is he gonna kind of take it as, it's a game. I had to fight for myself. This is now what's best for me. Only time will tell. So thank you all for joining us for this week's episode. I'm really excited to see what happens next. There's going to be a massive shakeup when the tribes swap to three tribes next week. Be sure to join us. Thank you all again for joining. See you next time.